Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Three Things Podcast. Uh, man, I've started this thing three times, and I just decided I'm going to let it go this time. My life is so crazy, I can't find time to record a podcast where you don't hear my daughter singing show tunes at the top of her lungs, kind of poorly. Um, my son yelling at the computer uh, things that have to do with Fortnite and video games. My dog barking at something outside that I have to believe is probably a raccoon, um, hopefully not a human, and my wife trying to keep all of it in check. <laughs> oh, so uh, here I am, and if you hear all of that in the background, it won't surprise you because you have it too. So, uh, man, this is as authentic as it gets. Here it is. Um, Three Things Podcast, uh, starring my dog, my wife, my daughter, my son, and my crazy life. Um, welcome to it. I know I know that you know exactly what it feels like. And, uh, man, I'm glad to be with you, um, even if it's digitally. And I am honored to have a chance to speak to you tonight and or to the morning or whatever time it is that you find yourself listening to this. I want to talk to you today about microwave tacos, self-propelled lawnmowers, and little rich guys in trees. How about that for a way to start? In the midst of all that, I want to talk about your calendar. And I want to talk about it from the perspective perspective of my calendar because uh, I only can assume that you have some of the same problems I do when it comes to time and when it comes to the calendar. Um, I want to start the conversation with uh, with a really ancient piece of writing. Um, I don't know what it is about ancient writing that moves me so much. I, I think maybe this is what it is. It just hit me. That when somebody writes something thousands and thousands of years ago, and it resonates with me now, it means that what they said transcends culture, it transcends language, it transcends whether or not I reading it on a computer or an iPad or a stone tablet. It's like it, it must be at the bare truth of the human life. For someone to have written something five, six, seven, ten thousand years ago, six thousand years ago, four thousand years ago, and and for it to resonate with me in 2018 um, with technology that we have and life that we have is remarkable to me. Um, and so a lot of the things that you'll hear me talk about are ancient. Um, I like new stuff. I like new philosophies. I like new philosophers and I study all of that. Um, but a lot of what I love um, starts with the past and um, in the ancient, ancient tradition of um, the Jewish culture there's a man named Solomon. Um, no matter what you believe about the Bible or what you believe about Jewish culture um, or Christian culture, Solomon was a real man, a real king. Um, lots of writing about who he was and what he did. Um, no question he was smart. No question he was rich. <laughs> no question he was a ladies' man. If you can call a guy a ladies' man that has a lot of women around him just because he's rich. Um, but he he definitely tried a lot of things in his life. And he wrote a lot of things. Um, and he had this way of writing that, uh, well, just like I spoke about it, it just sort of, 
reaches across time and speaks to the heart of who we are. And he says this, King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, the book of the Bible that you may not read because it's got a weird name, but man, it's got a whole lot of that deep, guttural, human, raw truth to it. And he says this, he says, he, which he is talking about God, he's talking about his understanding of who created everything and who runs everything. Um, if you're trying to figure out who that is and what you believe about that, that's okay. You can suspend that for a second. Solomon believed, I think, at least most of the time, I think he believed that that life wasn't happening by accident, that there was a divine being in charge, um, and that for the most for at the at its heart, this divine being, Yahweh, God, was uh, good and wanted good things for him. But he he also spoke very honestly about how he felt um, in the midst of life and the things that that the divine being that God would allow to happen. And he says he, this one in charge, this one who he had had an experience with um, over and over again, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He says he's also set eternity in the human heart. Man, I've spent a lot of time on that recently. He has set eternity in the human heart. I'm still not exactly sure what that means. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be doing a podcast on it, but <laughs> if I wait to understand what it means, you'll never hear me talk about it. Um, but I, I have a inkling. The older I get, the more I have these moments in my life where I look back at a calendar or I look back at my, you know, I use a smartphone like most of the world right now. Um, and my entire life is on this calendar and I can look forward and see what's coming and I can look back and see where I've spent my time. Um, and every now and then I'll accidentally hit the wrong day and I'll think, oh my gosh, did I really do that on that day a couple weeks ago? Um, and, you know, I just have this feeling in that moment, somewhere in the deepest part of me, that I'm doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there's another way. There's got to be a better way than rolling over in the morning, checking my master. That's the way it feels to me at times. 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I roll over and I look at my phone and I think, okay, what have I already decided I'm going to spend moments of my life doing today? And then I obey all of the things that my calendar tells me to do. Huh. And at the heart, I mean, if I just stop for a minute, maybe this is what Solomon was saying, that, that God has set eternity in the human heart. The idea of eternity here is not like eternal life. It's this sense of he has set a perspective on beginning and end, and maybe there isn't ever a beginning and an end, but he has set this time perspective in the human heart. We can't really understand it. He even goes on to say that. We can't really understand exactly how God works from the beginning to the end, but there's this sense that in the deepest part of who we are, we know that we need to put more weight into every second of our life. It's pretty amazing that he can reach across history and speak into my smartphone 
life at six o'clock in the morning. Maybe he does you too. The other day I rolled over and I checked it and here's what it saw. Um, here's what I saw when I woke up. I, I'm going to just read you this day. This is not textbook podcasting, is it? This is what you really want to hear on a podcast is my calendar. But just maybe you can relate to this. 8 a.m. this specific day, I had a meeting downtown Bloomington. It takes me 25 minutes to get downtown. At 9 a.m., I have a meeting on the other side of town. You know what that means? I've got a really important meeting with people that I really enjoy discussing some pretty significant issues about life and work and other things. That's at 8 a.m. At 9 a.m., I have to be on the other side of town, which means this, which means that every time somebody that I really like that I'm talking to in this meeting, every time they start to talk, I immediately begin to think that I've got to be on the other side of town by 9 a.m. No matter what the conversation is, I need my eggs here quickly. We're at a restaurant. I'm eating breakfast. I need my eggs here quickly. I can't enjoy them. I have to choke them down. Can't really listen to this conversation because I have this 9 a.m. meeting. So I, I fly out of there at 8.55, get in the car, make phone calls, tell people that I'm going to be late at 9. I get there at 9.07. I'm supposed to be leading this meeting on the other side of town. Get through that meeting, and I realize at 9.07, I sit down, and I realize... On my calendar is a 9.30 a.m. video call. That, that's a conference call. That means I've got a 9 a.m. meeting that I showed up 10 minutes late for. That means I've got 20 minutes, basically 15 minutes, to get to my next call. So now i got a video call. And then i got another video call at 9.45. i got a 10 a.m., a 10.45, an 11.30 lunch. So I had a 10.45 coffee meeting where I had coffee and a donut. I already had breakfast, by the way. And then I had lunch at 11.30. You think I'm going to eat that lunch? I'm probably not. Then i got a 1 o'clock thing for London at school. All I have on my calendar is London school. Guess what I missed? I missed my daughter getting what her school calls the Beacon Award. One kid from her class gets this award for scholastic excellence, integrity. I can't remember. I'm probably making up half these things and about the award, what the award was. But most likely to be a NASA engineer, I think, something like that. I don't know what it is, but guess what? I missed it. All, all my day got backed up, backed up, backed up, backed up, and the London school appointment at 1 o'clock got missed. I had a 1.45 call, a 3 o'clock call, a 4 o'clock meeting in the conference room, a 4.30 meeting at the DMV, which I didn't make, and then a church meeting at 6 o'clock. I got home that night at 8.45 p.m. My kids go to bed at 9. That was a Tuesday. Man, I know what Solomon means. At the depth of... Somewhere in my heart, I know there's got to be a better way. This is not the way I was intended to live my life. It reminds me, and the older I get, every now and then I get a glimpse like that, and, and I choose a Saturday, or I choose a day, and I think I'm in charge today. And it it reminds me of the first time I got a self-propelled lawnmower. Risha and I were married um, not very long, and we bought a house that we couldn't afford. You know, you did too. Um, and we couldn't afford anything. I had to buy a lawnmower because it was in a neighborhood we couldn't afford, and we weren't mowing our yard, and the neighbors were. I lived pretty close to a friend of mine. Um, who was sort of mentoring through the whole ownership thing, home ownership thing. And I bought this lawnmower, mowed the yard with it, and I couldn't wait. Self-propulsion, man, I couldn't wait. I grew up mowing the yard with a push mower, no self-propulsion. And, man, this was so exciting to me. 
so I got this thing and I put it together and I got about oh two strips of yard in and I thought man this is harder than I remembered I mean I hadn't pushed mowed yard in a few years man I'm out of shape and I just thought this self-propulsion thing would be a lot easier and I, I mowed the whole yard and I thought I was gonna die I walked in and I thought, man, I'm fat and I'm out of shape and this should be easier than this. And I was disappointed and disappointed in me and disappointed in the mower. A couple days later, later, my neighbor borrowed my mower. He said, I saw you got one of those new propelled mowers. Yeah, self-propelled mowers. I said, yeah. He said, oh, I've been waiting to try it. And I didn't want to admit to him that I'd had a hard time. So I said, oh, it's great. You should try it. So he took it out to his front yard. And man, I saw him zipping up and down his yard and looked out. I mean, he's 12, 14 years older than me. And I thought, gosh, I am in such bad shape and he's in such good shape and what is wrong with me? And he came back and he said, man, John, that is the best piece of mowing technology I have seen in a long time. Do you know how easy that was? And finally, I don't know what got into me. I finally just said, man, it wasn't easy. I, I don't, I must be missing something. What, what, what am I missing? Because I, I, it was not easy for me. And I'm just, I was thinking about taking it back. He said, oh man, don't take that thing back. And then he said, well, well, show me what you do. I said, all right, well, I just reach down. It's pretty easy. I, I, I pull a string and the mower starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I just start walking behind it. And he says, well, well, what about the bar right there next to the, the handle? You, you just push that bar up and that's what makes the mower move forward. And I said, the what? Yeah, see, there's a, if you've ever driven one of these mowers, you pull this bar up, and that's what engages the motor that allows the mower to move forward. And I mowed my entire yard pushing the gears of that motor without using it. Man, I hit that bar, and it was a game changer. I mowed my yard, and it didn't even need it. I just wanted to because it was so easy. And I tell you that story because... I think this happens in our life over and over and over when it comes to our calendar, when it comes to time. It's like it's like we're doing it wrong, you know? It's like this isn't how life was meant to be. And as long as we keep doing it our way, as long as we just keep using up every second of our day for things that don't seem to matter, and if it just comes, we just sign up for the next thing, then it's almost like we're pushing this self-propelled mower without using it the way we're supposed to. But then all of a sudden, when you get some perspective, maybe like Solomon did when he wrote that, you get some perspective that eternity is bigger, like life is too short and there are too many important things and I'm going to take back my life for a minute and you have a moment like that. Jewish people call it the Sabbath. Christian people have have, have adopted that too, the Christian walk, Um First Christians would would take a day a week and 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 stop and just not not have that day as part of their calendar and they would they would choose to rest and in that moment you get this perspective that you start to realize this is the way it's supposed to be this is life the way it's intended to be yeah you know we say the funniest things about life and time we say time flies when you're having fun. We say time stands still. We say we've lost time. We say we've ran out of time. We say we don't have time. We say we've had the time of our life. I've had the time of my life. Sorry about that. We we say the weirdest things about time. And I almost wonder sometimes if 
if we're just in those moments where we say things like, time flies when you're having fun, if in those moments we're actually getting a little bit of a glimpse of that eternity in our heart, that sense of what time really is in the eternal sense, and we go, you know, man, time goes so fast or it stands still or it, it moves in a different way because of what we're experiencing. So when it comes to time, you know, we can talk about time travel. We can talk about all kinds of ex- existential conversations. But there are just three things I want to mention about time today that have, have really stuck in my life and have started to be a part of, of what I'm trying to build um, in maturity as a human, um, as a dad, as a, uh, as a husband, as a worker. All of those things are my responsibility, and time weaves through all of them. And the, the first thing that I want to say um, about time is just that quality time. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hear about quality time and quantity time. And maybe you've heard people say this before. This is not unique to me. But the older I get, the more it becomes profound that quality time is a lie. You know? <laughs> you know, I think the idea of quality time was made up by some overworked, you know, workaholic dad who said, you know, I could... I can work 80, 90 hours a week as long as I get a great hour with my son throwing a baseball on a Saturday morning, you know? And the the truth is what I've learned is that if you live life looking for quality time, you miss the quantity time. And if I think about the most important pieces of time in my life with my son or with my wife or with my daughter, they're moments I could have never planned on. There are moments that could have never come out of a calendar appointment. <laughs> See, quality time, the most important moments in my life, have come because I've set aside big blocks of time. Vacations, birthday parties, adventures with the family. Those times, um, those m- big chunks of time where I have, I have chosen the right thing, the right person in my life have been some of the best times of my life. Because here's what I found out. Leftovers suck. (laughs) You know? I'm not just talking about food. My wife's a great cook, um, but I don't really like leftovers very well. Now, Now, I like chili after a couple days for sure, but most things, they're just soggy they don't taste quite right when you cook them. And, and the microwave, I just hate the microwave. And and what I've realized is when I give the most important people in my life my leftovers, it tastes like microwave two-day, three-day-old tacos, you know? When when I have been working all day and, and I, I go through a calendar day like you just heard me read, And I come home in the evening looking for 30 minutes of quality time. I used air quotes. I don't know why I did that on the microphone. But imagine air quotes. Quality time with my son before he's exhausted and goes to bed and before I I can't even hardly keep my eyes open. And I am giving Reese my leftovers. I'm just giving him whatever I've got left over. I didn't choose this time for him. I didn't set aside this time for him. The most important, one of the most important human beings in my life gets my leftovers. And a a coworker, a client that I, I don't even know very well gets the best part of my day. It's not who I want to be. 
the best moments of my life come organically out of setting aside quality chunks of time. At a, I've started realizing lately where I am. I've started realizing lately where I am best, what time of day I am best, what time of week I'm at my best. And I'm, I don't do this like I want to, but I'm starting to try to kind of move those best chunks of my day and of my life um, into places where I know they're going to intersect with the most important people in my life. So for instance, I, I got a, I got a uh, text message from one of my best friends in the world. Uh, don't get to see him very often. He lives a long way away. We used to work together. I got a text message from him the other day and he said, Hey, you got a ch- second to talk. And I might've had a second, but I hadn't talked to him for a while. And his wife has been really sick. And I knew this was going to be a bad, a, a really hard call. And I wanted to give it my best. I was anxious. I had lots of meetings going on. And I said, how about 10 AM tomorrow morning? <laughs> and I put it on my calendar, 10 AM tomorrow morning. Cause that is the best part of my day, 10 AM tomorrow morning. And I talked to him and I set aside an hour and I got to actually have a conversation with him because I had chosen a chunk of time that was not left over for somebody who was really important to me. And it's working. It feels like I'm pushing the bar down on the self-propelled mower every now and then. It's still hard. It's still work. Life is still, you know, difficult and it doesn't make sense at the time, but it feels like I'm going with the flow. It feels like this is the way that I should be using my time and energy. And it is rewarding to me. So the first thing I want to say about time today and about our calendar is that quality time is a lie and you have to, it comes out of quantity time. The second is this, that slower is better. (laughs) Slower is better. It just is, man. The people that I like spending time with the most in my life are known for being slow my my wife, I used to make fun of her all the time. We used to laugh about just how long it takes her to do things and how long it takes her to eat compared to me and how long it takes her to get ready compared to me. And, you know, we just used to make jokes about that all the time. And the older I get, the more I just love it. I love that she moves a little slower. I love that there is a pace in her and in her life. And I'm starting to realize that I need to match it. We spend a lot of time at a lake nearby in a cabin. Um, It's a park called Shackamack State Park. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and um, it's got a lake attached to it. And, man, we go to this place, and everything moves slower. You go to the front gate to check in, you know, and you're still in that, like, work-life mode. And you go in, and the lady behind wants to talk about your car wants to talk about your kids and the bikes in the back of the truck and she just gonna talk slow y'all and it's gonna be a long week you're gonna have so much fun and man i am going crazy when i walk into that park and i'm just saying get me out of here i want to get back there i gotta get my stuff in i gotta get this going and i gotta and by the end of the week I'm walking out there, waving at her, saying, goodbye, y'all. See you next time. Hope you're all doing good. And I am slow, and I am better. I'm just better. (laughs) Second Peter. This is a guy who I think moved really fast. This guy named Peter. 
He just was fast. He was like me. And he, he, he moved quickly, but he also reacted quickly. He's the guy that when Jesus was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, that he picked up, he picked up his sword immediately and cut a guy's ear off. And, you know, Jesus put it back according to the story. And, and, but Peter is this hot headed, fast moving, quick guy. And he says this, don't forget this thing, friends. I love when writers say this because it's like, it's almost like they're saying, trust me, I've learned this the hard way. <laughs> don't forget that this one thing, friends with God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient. <laughs> Man, when you get too busy, when your calendar is too full, like, my, like mine is, you mistake patience for slowness. You get annoyed with patience. You know what patience is? It's the opportunity to look at someone you love and say you're worth waiting on. Patience is that moment in life where you pause because of the heaviness. That moment that you give a breath to ensure that what happens next has got your full attention. But when your life moves as quickly as mine often does, when I let the calendar control it, patience is annoying. I just get annoyed. And I think this is what Peter is saying. I think he's saying, you know, some understand God as being like slow and moving. Like we want him to do something or we want things in life to be better and we want it to be better right now. But the truth is it's, it's patience that makes sense. And then he says this, he says, and by the way, God doesn't want anyone to die. The English translation is perish, but it really, it's this word, it's just death. God doesn't want anyone to, to die. That is have a life that is just dead. But he wants everyone to come to what Peter calls repentance, which is definitely a word that means I was going one direction and I stopped, and I turned around, and I went the other direction. Which I think is what happened to Peter. I think that what he's saying here is, take it from me, friends. <laughs> For God, time doesn't matter. Like, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. And God, I used to think that God was being slow, but what I mistook for slowness was actually patience. And the more I understood patience, the more I realized that what God wants from us is to have life. He wants us to pause. He doesn't want us to die in our calendars. He doesn't want us to live this dead life. He wants us to have life. Jesus would call it abundant life later. Not just life, but abundant life. Good life. And then, then Peter says, but it, it means that everyone has to walk one direction, realize they're walking the wrong way turn around and walk the other direction. <laughs> Jesus did a lot of stopping, slowing. He did a lot of eating. He did a lot of hanging. He did a lot of just, um, just listening. You know, the kids in life were moving slow and the adults did what adults do and they pushed the kids out of the way and Jesus would say, hang, hang, hang on. Let them come to me. I want to be patient with them. I want to hang with them. I want to be with you. At one point, Jesus is walking into this town, and there's a little rich guy. 
um, if you grew up in church, you know him as Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and a wee little man was he. It's a weird song we sang when we were in Sunday school. Um, but um, the story, the writer claims that Zacchaeus was just a little guy, and he climbed up in this big, he climbed up in a tree so that he could see over the crowds into Jesus' life. But the thing about Zacchaeus was he was a tax collector, he was a rich dude, he had a lot of money, um, he had probably taken it, he'd obviously taken advantage of a lot of people, um, and he was one of those fast-moving people. I mean, he was just one of those life um, kind of sucking people at that point. And Jesus, in the midst of this big crowd, you know, disciples, all of his entourage is always trying to keep him moving, you know. Um, and in the midst of this big crowd, Jesus stops next to this tree. And he looks up at this little rich guy who is, you know, caught up in the world. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, we don't know all the details of the story, but... It seems like Jesus knew his name. So we either have to believe that he knew his name because he's partly God, and I, I don't believe that. I think he probably knew his name because Zacchaeus was infamous. I think he knew probably knew his da- name because anybody that was around there knew this guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy that took your money. He's the guy that was the swindler. He's the far-from-God guy. He's the far-from-who-you-want-to-hang-out-with guy. And Jesus says, you, the infamous Zacchaeus, little guy, you come down. And then he says this thing that, man, I, I, Jesus did this a lot. He just said, hey, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your place. I'm going to stop my life. I'm going to stop the entourage. And the disciples probably rolled their eyes again. I'm going to come to your house today. And so he goes to Zacchaeus's house. And he, 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 you know, Zacchaeus is probably hospitable. He obviously wanted to be around Jesus. He climbed up in a tree to, to watch him. And and then it, it, the story goes on. You have to read it for yourself. But the story goes on, and basically what the way it ends is that, that Zacchaeus walks out of his own home different. Jesus literally met Zacchaeus in his own home, and he changed his perspective on life. And I, I picture Jesus standing at the doorway. And you know what he says? This is what he says. This is, this is incredible. He looks at Zacchaeus and he says, hey, salvation has come to your house today. Salvation has come to your house today. Peter said, God doesn't want anybody to have a a life that is death. He wants everyone to to make a 180, to, to turn and understand eternity. Jesus said, you get a deep breath of eternity today, Zacchaeus. Salvation has come to your house. <laughs> if you follow the story a little bit further, you know what happens when salvation comes to your house, when you get a perspective on life, when you get a moment where your calendar doesn't rule you, where your money isn't in charge, where your reputation and your history and your background and the guilt that comes all with that, where all of that doesn't rule you and doesn't hang over you. When salvation comes to your house, you know what it makes you want to do? It makes you want to give. It makes you want to stop. It makes you want to take all the stupid things you were doing and reverse them. So Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give all the money back that I took and more. I'm going to go, I'm going to live a totally different life. And as far as we know, Zacchaeus, salvation came to his house that day and it stayed. That's the gift. 
That's the gift of Jesus. And when I say that's the gift of Jesus, I don't mean that in a trite, churchy, Jesus Christian way. What I mean is that the gift of Jesus is perspective. And even if you don't believe that he's the son of God, if you don't believe in the resurrection, if you don't believe in a lot of the Christian Orthodox views, here's what you can absolutely take from this talk, that salvation can come to your house today, that you can make a 180, that you can look at your life, you can look at your calendar that is out of control, you can look at time that you have lost in your life, and you can do a 180 and you can make a change. And what Jesus brought to the world was a different way of looking at it. What Jesus brought to the world was a deep breath, was a pause, was a moment to stop and to look into the heart that you were given, to the soul that, that, that Solomon spoke of, and say, eternity is in your heart, Zacchaeus. Eternity is already there. This perspective on th- that this is broken, the way you're doing life is broken. That's in you already. And no matter who you are listening to this today, no matter how far you feel from God or Yahweh or the divine or whatever experience you're having right now, no matter how far you feel from being in the right place in your life, no matter how, how bad your calendar is, no matter how stupid the mistake was that you just made, no matter how far you feel away, you have the opportunity right today to make the same 180 that tiny little rich man made hanging out in a sycamore tree. Salvation can come to your house today. It takes a 180. It takes a moment. It takes a a breath to stop and to recognize that there's a better way. The third thing I want to say about your calendar and about mine is that margin makes all the difference. I wish that was my idea. That was Andy Stanley's sermon about uh, five or six years ago, I think. At this point, he preached a sermon about margin in our lives, and there's margin in a lot of different ways. But when we think, when I think of margin, I think of money. I've struggled with money my whole life, and I think if you struggle with money, you'll struggle with time because they are a, a lot alike. Um, you're given a finite amount of each; it is yours to manage, and other people will spend it if you let them. <laughs> That's what I feel both about time and money. And what I've done in my life is is give both you know live with both frivolously. When I get money, I spend it. When I realize I have time, I spend it or I give it away frivolously, both time and money. And it's taken some really bad depths, um, some really bad moments in my life with both time and money to make that 180. It just has. Uh, financially, um, I'll never forget, can't believe I'm telling you this in the podcast, but I'll never forget the day the IRS showed up on my front porch. Um, I own my own business, and I hadn't made payroll taxes, and the IRS showed up on my front porch. And they threatened all kinds of things that they could legally do. It changed me. It's stupid that it took that to change me, but it changed me. And I still go back and I still do, do dumb things financially, but it that was a big deal for me. And at one point, not too long after that, um, I had made some changes financially, but I had not made any changes with my time. And I found myself in a car in my Yukon 
um, up against a tree with the engine on and the car in drive. I still don't know exactly what happened, but I was sleep deprived. My calendar was too busy. And I had at some point pulled into this parking lot to take a quick nap and left the car in drive and it was up against a tree. Um, and that was a big moment for me to realize that I had gotten that far. I don't know where your life is. I don't, I hope that you don't have to get that far before you realize that margin makes the difference. What I needed both financially and in my calendar was time not spent, money not spent, um, opportunity for me to take a deep breath financially, opportunity for me to take a deep breath physically and inside my calendar. It takes margin. I have this uh, Google Calendar. Many of you have this too. And maybe if it's not Google Calendar, it's Outlook. It's the same thing. If you, if you, if you don't have this, here's what it is. It's a calendar that uh, is public calendar that you work with that allows other people to see your calendar and request time from your calendar. I mean, if you think about this for a minute, this is just ridiculous. People can actually look at my calendar and they can see my personal stuff and I can hide some of that stuff, but they do. They see my personal stuff. They see my, my work stuff and they can, they can just say, Hey, I want that hour right there. And if you're like me and you're a people pleaser, that request comes in and I'm like, well, that's my boss or that's so-and-so I, I gotta, I gotta say yes to that. And it's ridiculous. This is a ridiculous thing that we do. Can you imagine if we did this with money? If you were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I got $1,000. I got paid this week. I had $1,000. I'm just going to put it all on the table. I'm just going to put it all on the table. You guys just take whatever you want. You know, you guys just take whatever you want. Now request it, you know, like I get an email that says, hey, Jeremy would like to take $40 out of your wallet. Yes or no? I mean, what? This is not the way we live. This does not make sense in our lives. If you live like this, if you live like I'm living and you let everyone around you choose the time they want out of your life, here's what's going to happen. The most important things and the most important people will get the microwave tacos of your calendar. They will get the leftovers. So your coworkers that you don't even like will take 10 a.m., will take 2.30 p.m. They'll take all of your time. They'll take all of your energy. And the people you love most will turn 15, 16, 17, 18, be out of your house. And they will have missed the best of you. Now, I don't want to get too cat in the cradle and the silver spoon here. <laughs> but man, I see it every day. Friends, you need margin. And I do too. This whole conversation reminds me of being at uh, the first IU ball game I was ever at back in the Bob Knight days, Indiana basketball fan, and my dad took me. And I'll never forget, it was a preseason game, and Bob Knight looked at one of his players, uh, Calvert Chaney. To, no, 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 it wasn't. It was uh, Callaway, Ricky Callaway. And uh, he said, I'll never forget this, Ricky Callaway missed a shot or did something, and he, he cussed. And Bob Knight stopped, and he brought Ricky Calloway over, and he said, Ricky, you don't effing cuss on my effing court. 
And I remember just thinking, for one thing, I didn't hear words like that very often. But I remember thinking, does Bob Knight completely not understand what he just said? Like he just, and the whole thing with Knight, if you remember him, was just do as I say, not as I do. Um, and I, I just, that inhabited me as I was thinking about this, that when my wife hears this talk, she's going to go, huh? Yeah. John's going to tell you how to use your calendar, right? <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't have any authority to, except for the mistakes that I've made. And my guess is you've made some of them too. So as I close out this talk, um, it's time for the may use. Friends, may you rage against the lie of quality time and choose quantity time for the people that you love the most. May you pause right now. What are you doing right this minute? What's so important? Are you driving to work? What's so important? Pause right this moment. And would you recognize that your time will go away like your money if you don't choose where it goes? If you let the world take what they want, they will. And the people you love most will get the leftovers. Friends, may you match up the best parts of your time with the things and the people that matter most. Stop giving people your leftovers. If you have... Good news. Salvation is available to you today. Peter says it takes a 180. It takes a moment like this, a moment with perspective, maybe like Solomon had where he said, I realize that eternity is in my heart, that there is a perspective on time and life that is deep within me. I know this isn't the way to do this. I know there is a bar somewhere that is self-propelling. Friends, may salvation come to your house today. And may you not be too distracted by your smartphone and your calendar to welcome it. Take back your calendar today. I'm going to work on it too. Hey, thanks for listening. God bless.